0: Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. The day and age we live in is clearly defined by change. We see it and experience it every day, whether it's in the course of executing our work or just simply getting by. I mean, at times, this constant evolution and transformation can be jarring. It often entails the relearning of processes, steps, protocols, etc., etc. Other times, it leads to massive simplifications and improvements in the way we live and work. Well, on today's show, our guest is someone who has created a business service that, yes, promotes further change in the industry he operates. However, his offering has a very specific aim, which he believes is a complete game changer. Hey, welcome to the show. So Mark Brown is the founder of Beta, a service where music meets tech. This platform enables everyone to send and receive digital audio in a clean, simple, and secure way. And it is built for everyone working within music today. Now, for Mark himself, he's had an interesting journey, starting out in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, making his way to Halifax and working with Canadian indie legends Sloan before heading overseas to the UK. His extensive music business background and considerable digital audio knowledge has helped him deliver unique insights to audiences from Tallinn to Toronto. Rewinding a bit, Mark got his start in the music business at Murder Records, Canada's premier artist-owned label during the mid-90s. He was also the co-founder of the Halifax Pop Explosion called Halifax on Music, and he then moved to London after working in A&R at the legendary London Indie Creation Records. And then at Alan McGee's Pop Tones, Mark started his own boutique UK radio promotion company off the back of his success with The Hives. For over 10 years, Mark worked with an impressive list of indie rock luminaries, including, get this, Wilco, Block Party, Bright Eyes, Spoon, and Refused, as well as legends such as Tom Waits, Yoko Ono, Booker T, and Mavis Staples. Mark currently lives and works in Stockholm, Sweden, where he remotely manages and operates his music tech company, Bira. So with all that said, Mark, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the program. How are you doing?
1: Good, thanks. It's not a bad bio, is it? I like I was yeah. like I was starting to smile. You told me I'm I was gonna be off camera while you're doing the intro. So yeah, yeah. I, I I started smiling. It's not bad. It's not it's so pretty okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it
0: does sound all right. It reads nicely, it reads nicely. Yeah, I, yeah. I know off yeah. the top for some guests it can be mildly uncomfortable to hear all that stuff, you know. But at the same time, there there is that moment of reflection where you can kind of like rewind a bit and be like, Oh yeah, oh yeah, I did that too. And it's kind of nice, I would imagine it'd be a nice sort of experience. It could be a nice experience experience
1: oh i no, i i think it is and i also the one thing i wanted to say is you, you're very good at speaking in a in a consistent at a consistent tempo because i have to do overdubs for our uh our our podcast so we do we do this monthly event and i speak too quickly so you're very so so not not only was the content impressive the delivery was equally as impressive
0: well, thank you, thank you. I mean, I, I guess that's you know comes along with uh, some of the experience in doing this now for the last year or so. But uh, it's still a work in progress, no doubt. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely eager to uh, to get into all of this with you. I mean, your your background and and everything, just kind of what I was alluding to off the top. Uh, really quite fascinating stuff. So maybe with that in mind, we can jump right into it if that's all right, Mark. Sure, let's go for it. All right, so I've got this first segment lined up, something called Coloring Wikipedia. As my guests know, it's a segment basically I just read off you know, a definition of the person's profession or business or industry, and it kind of just sort of like sets the tone for the whole conversation. So I went with entrepreneurship for you, and it's a bit of a catch-all definition here. It's quite general. It's quite bland. But maybe after listening to it within the context of all that you've done and currently doing, you comment. Does that sound all right? Okay, definitely. All right, so here we go. Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is as the process of designing, launching, and running a new business, which is often similar to a small business, or as the capacity and willingness to develop, organize, and manage a business venture along with any of its risks to make a profit. Very corporate, very straight, very cold-sounding. <laughs> Super think of that? dry,
1: so right? dry. Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's Wikipedia, man.
0: That is Wikipedia.
1: Yeah. But basically, that's, that's true, I guess. But I think... I think you could summarize it in a different way you could say like i don't like that word entrepreneurship but when i when i talk to people about who wouldn't know what i do i mm-hmm. say i'm an entrepreneur so mm-hmm. they refer to me as an entrepreneur but it, why, why, why like don't you
0: interrupt why why don't you like the the word entrepreneurship what uh what sets you off
1: because because it, you end up with a definition like that like okay. i think it it, it devalues the creativity of what it is. It's creating something from nothing. Yeah. I think. And I think that's, it's a very creative process and yes, there's a financial element uh, attached to it, but you're generally creating something from nothing. And I think that's a very, that's the part I like to focus on. And I think that's the creative side of it. Um, But that definition is, you know, credit to Wikipedia is technically right, I guess.
0: Well, I guess they have to jam all those things into it, but yeah, I would be, you know, on your side for that too. I like your idea. I mean, quite simply, that's what it is, right? It's creating something from nothing. And uh, in terms of you know what you've done, would would there be anything else you would add to that definition itself, or is that it's, it's as simple as that to you?
1: It, yeah, because it, it's also like it's quite a broad term that yeah. that you know everybody like, and I didn't like in there that they had something about small business. Mm. I think there's a lot of people who work, say, in venture capital, who like to look down on people who run lifestyle businesses. So people who run, run a business and make give them the ability to have a good life. And I think it's like no one type of business is better than another. Everybody does things differently. And I think so in that way, I don't. I would never want to put a value on what kind of uh, entrepreneur someone is. A- anybody taking that step into the unknown is technically an entrepreneur. So that that's the. I'd like to remove the part about the size of business because I don't yeah. think that is important. I think the key is that you want it to be a success, whatever. <laughs> Your goal, whatever your definition of success is, because everybody has different definitions, I think.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I, I think that entrepreneurial sort of journey is that personal one. You know, like you said, it represents different things to different people. And whether it's a small business, medium sized, large, whatever it might be, you know, it, it, I think that's a really, really good point. Now, getting back to to your business, Bita, and we're gonna get into this later too. But in terms of, I guess, like a typical days, like what what keeps you busy right now, without without getting too deep into the weeds, I suppose, like
1: it, it, it's our team. Uh, you know, our company's fully distributed, which means we don't have an office. We've never had an office, so I just sit at my computer, and I like, you know, and that's where stuff happens, really. Yeah. Or I go yeah. for walks. Um, yeah. I know you. You ask me for photos of, of what I do at work, and I'm like, God, I don't really like. It'll be <laughs> it'll be some some of the most boring photos ever. But I will I will pull I will pull something out, but because it's not the first time. Someone we'll asked, get but, four
0: different angles of you at your computer. Maybe ex-
1: exactly that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like, but but the th- the thing is, I think you know it's a lot of communicating. So yeah. be that by via online means uh, messaging. Uh, you know, yeah. being on Slack, sending emails, talking, uh, meet, meeting people. I don't necessarily meet many people out in Stockholm for work, uh, but I did last night, for example. So it, it's just a lot of, like running a business is, is is a lot about it's like an idea, but then there's a lot of communication and it's yeah. just talking to people and trying to move it forward And because right. a business is built on people. Yeah, and I, and that's really comes from the interaction of the people. I think.
0: In researching for this talk, I maybe it was a podcast I was listening to you with you you know, on there. I think it was mentioned that your team is spread out over yeah. over the globe, oh, yeah. essentially. Like I think you have members yeah. in Australia or elsewhere. I mean, maybe you yeah. could speak to that point a little bit. I mean,
1: that, that that term I mentioned it's called a distributed team, and so we started in London. There were three of us, and. Okay. Um, The person in Australia you refer to as Jen, my co-founder. And so it was uh, her and I and someone else in London, and we started it there. And then, but we all worked from home. So we were all sort of consultants or whatever. And then Jen moved to Australia. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the end of the business. So this is, you know, six, seven years ago. I'm like, this is it. It's over. And then there was no problem. We just sort of talked on Sundays. I talked in the morning. She was online at night. And then it just sort of grew from there. And then uh, the people we have in, in Canada, the person who contacted you, Colin, who does our marketing, yeah. he was my first boss when I lived in Halifax. So I'm like, oh, well, I want to get him involved. And then, you know, we work with a couple a couple other people that Jen knew who live in the UK. And, you know, it, it's very common now to run businesses like this, like WordPress. I don't know if anybody knows what WordPress is that runs all those websites and blogs and stuff that they're fully distributed the company that runs that so it's a lot more common and people ask me like oh is it hard and i'm like well it's the way it's always been for us so no in a way i really like it like it's a great way to yeah it certainly
0: sounds appealing i think and it it, it's sort of shatters that image of what you know a traditional business is like which which i also love too you know it's like yeah you can run it in so many different ways it kind of returns to that definition like it doesn't have to be this cold hard fast sort of rule of how you've got to do things you know <laughs> there are several different workarounds especially now nowadays with technology with this right with zoom you know we're having this call here with japan and then stockholm like right? you know like we can totally do these types of things now and uh, i think it's nice eye-opener especially for youth that are kind of like struggling to sort of like see these different options that are presented before them you know
1: well, well it, it, it's funny like and, and thinking about your question about entrepreneurship like what I don't think pe- I think people think especially because of the way the media portrays yeah startups and all like it's a lot of it's bullshit really like and it, a lot of it's not going to be like that for you know people listening who start their own business or whatever but right you can really build it the way you want to. Like, that's the whole point. You're not, you're not building a company that you hate. You're building a company you like. Mm-hmm. And the people in it are the ones that build that culture. And that company could be 1, 5, 10, 20, 30, thousands of people. It, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I think that's the whole point. It's like, oh, like, we never thought we needed an office, so why get one? Yeah. that's all it is it's not like it was there wasn't a manifesto yeah
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. it was
1: pre, way pre-covid so yeah. you know we just thought oh this is the way we work let's go for it there's nothing yeah. to think about really and it just ended up this way yeah and then covid shows up and then it's like oh everybody's learned how to work from home anyway so we're all
0: good yeah right? <laughs> yeah perfect man perfect all right well maybe we could slide into a new segment here something called pathways and i, I really like this segment for a couple of different reasons and one is like i think returning to the point that we're just speaking of, like, people have these preconceived notions of like, this is how it's got to be, whether you're like running a business this way or that way. And oftentimes, too, like in terms of like how people end up in their business, or how people end up in their professional careers, it's like this straight line path. And like, the reality is, is it's never straight line, like very, very rarely. So in terms of that, you know, maybe for, for your pathway, I mean, I sort of spoke to it lightly off the top. But, uh, you know, how did you end up where you're at right now with beta Maybe we could rewind a little bit here. So
1: like I, I, I'm Canadian and I always liked music from like a very young age. And then I moved, I moved to Calgary. And I remember when I moved to Calgary, this was, I'm 48. So this was in the early nineties, I think. And um, I remember thinking like, why doesn't Calgary get, the gigs that I think they should, why don't the bands, lots of bands come there? And I didn't understand why. And of course, there's a reason for that, that where Calgary is on the routing and depending on the venues and all that, like all stuff I know now. And so I just became very curious about that. And then I went to university on the East Coast outside of Halifax in Canada for anybody else who's not Canadian, like near, sort of near Boston, but you have to drive around. And so this was a time like in the mid nineties when lots of bands in Canada, it was very difficult to get exposure outside of Canada. It's radically different now. You've got Drake and all these huge, ginormous artists across multiple different genres. But back then, you couldn't get arrested in the States. It was terrible. But these bands in Halifax were getting signed to American labels and starting the tour in the US. So I was going to school in a small town, and we started going in on the weekends to watch bands play. Yeah, And I really disliked university. I, I was doing, you mentioned earlier, you did sociology. I was doing sociology, and I, I I liked it, but I'm like, I'm just waiting to do the thing that I want to do, which is work in right. music. So I contacted that guy, Colin, who now works with us, and he ran that Slo- this band Sloan's label. And I just said, what's the deal? Like, Can I get a job? And he's like, no, but you can come volunteer. So, and I know for people. Not a bad st- deal. St- yeah, but but for people starting out now, because I talk to a lot of students and stuff, like yeah. that's not the recommendation that you should work for free. But I did it. I left the small town I was going to school in. I moved to Halifax. I volunteered for free. Mm-hmm. Then Colin got me. He's, he felt bad that I didn't have any money. So he's like, okay, I found you these bands to go on tour with in the United States. I did that for a while. We started a festival. And then they sort of ran out of money there in Halifax. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to move to England because I'd just been there, you know, a couple months before or something. And I was young enough. Then I'm like, oh, well, this, you know, this will go great. <laughs> and so I moved. Yeah, exactly. Like, and Adventure. you know, I yeah. moved to to England, and I got a job right away, and I worked in this record warehouse. And I remember going around the record warehouse. What you would do? This is back when there were still lots of physical products, so you get a list of all the records. That the yeah. store wanted and you go around and pull them all out. And I would tell the people working in the warehouse, like, Oh, I'm gonna get a job at a proper label. And they're like, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, great. Yeah, know yeah, well, me too, me too. <laughs> and then, you know, nine months later, I got a job at this label called Creation Records that was famous for Oasis yeah. and primal school, yeah. like all these very legend, yeah. legendary legendary yeah. British bands. Uh, and I worked there and then they sold the rest of the company to Sony, which is one okay. of the big Major labels, yeah. and I got let go. I went back to the the record warehouse, which was not fun. But then the guy who started Creation called me said, "Hey, do you want to come be my PA, my personal assistant?" I'm like, "Why not?" I was a terrible yeah. PA, terrible. Yeah. And so he's <laughs> like, "Well, maybe you should do radio promotion." I'm like, "Sounds yeah. great." What's that? Yeah. And he's like, "That's where you try to get songs on the radio." So I started doing that, and then I sort of lucked out. This this was around the time of uh, I guess it was the early two thousands when guitar garage rock was becoming quite popular. So, which was the last time guitar music was popular in a broad sense, I think. And so I just started working with all these bands and it went really well. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, I guess that's what I do now. And so I started this little, uh, promotion company. So like just a consultancy business where bands and managers and labels would, uh, would hire me to, um, to get their their artists on the radio and so I did oh. that for about 14 years and then that's sort of my music business career and then the the, the way I ended up on beta was in that period when I was running that like the job was that you'd send records to people before oh. their the music's out in the shops and you you would hope that people would play the record on the radio or write it about in the press. Yeah. So when the record was out in the record shop, people would know to go buy it, right? All right, all right. And so it, you'd send CDs. Like I'd sit there and stick CDs in the in in jiffy bags, in, in little mailers. And it was the time that like links started to become popular back when, I think it was You Send It.
0: Okay. And all yeah. that kind of stuff. With yeah. It kind of rings a bell
1: yeah yeah and it's like oh my god like this is no way to listen to music so i thought what we need is a better and SoundCloud had started and all this kind of stuff and i thought well you know what people who work with music this is what they do all day all day long they send and receive audio files and streams and so i'm like there's got to be a better way to do this and i thought okay well i can how hard could this be
0: (laughs) Um, <laughs> famous last words yeah
1: yeah exactly famous last words so i'm like i found these people jen and this guy pete who lived in london and we started building it together hmm. and yeah so that's it was just an idea and i thought how hard yeah. can it be basically
0: yeah and there you go like i love that for a few different reasons is one is just like again the serendipity of it all like you the, the, well there's a purpose there like you said right off the top like you wanted to get into music that was the passion yep. that was the thing. So you you you've put yourself in all these situations where you were embedded within that whole industry. You didn't know exactly where you're gonna end up along the way, and just sort of like one thing would lead to another, and you just kind of kept an open mind all the way through. And uh, but all the while still knowing that that's where you want to be and then it's just interesting how again these paths kind of like you know wind this way up down around and then here you are you know and again like i just i, I find that so compelling and it's something that's just like lost on a lot of people they just have this vision that's like oh it's a straight line simple path this is what i want to do five, five ten years down the road this is where i'm going to end up and it just never happens that way and like your story perfectly sort of illustrates that i would assume at least yeah
1: yeah, I, like, I, I've met people and they talk like that, that I'm going to do this in 2.5 yeah. years. And I think, like, oh god are you kidding me? Like, yeah, me. And, and if it goes that way, I always think to myself, well, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Right? If right. it's well, not, pushing. if it's not uh, going a bit crazy, and yeah. not going the way you want it to, it means that it's not challenging enough. But but or you're you know, closing well, out I just,
0: opportunities, I think, too. You know what I mean? Like if you just have this straight yeah. line and you're like, well, no, I'm focused only on this one thing. You know, it, it can work in certain fields, of course. I mean, if you want to be a doctor and this is the path and oftentimes it can Oh, you have run,
1: to, be. You have, you know, have
0: to like be. you have to be. Yeah. But in other times, like in a lot of other industries and whatnot, like you can be a little bit more open wind, uh, open-minded and sort of like explore things. And you're going to kind of get a better idea of who you want to be, you know, and how you're going to fit into things. So I think that's a big part of it, too. But yeah, anyway.
1: But I like I, I, what's most interesting is my only goal was to get a job working in music. Yeah. yeah. So I succeeded. By.
0: Yeah. Ninety six. Yeah. Right. Right. You right.
1: know, like I did, I did that when when Colin hired me. The Colin works with us. Yeah. Right. That that was I had succeeded. Yeah. So yeah. all the other stuff I I didn't I didn't expect to do anything else. I just thought, oh, okay, box ticked.
0: Nice, nice so
1: that's what's fascinating about. It. i didn't really know yeah. what was possible because yeah. you're young like i was 19 yeah. or whatever like you don't know what how is things are going to shake down you don't know yeah. what's possible and that's and that's why it's good to keep like you're saying to keep the, the to keep an open, open mind, mind. Okay.
0: because you don't want to shut out things that you don't know are possible that's right that's right yeah yeah some sage advice right there well, maybe we could sort of skip on or do a new segment here, a Q&A discovery and kind of just continue this back and forth. And you've already sort of alluded to this with Beta, but I found this, you know, just visiting your website, one of the first things that pops out is like this, this slogan, this phrase, like Beta is built for music. And again, I alluded to this off the top. You were just speaking to this a little bit more, but maybe you could explain that statement, you know, a little bit further for listeners.
1: The easiest way to explain it is if you think no matter who, anybody who's listening, you use some, you use Dropbox or Google Drive or any of these platforms for, like I pay for Dropbox to store all my Excel files.
0: Yeah.
1: And I alluded to this time when, you know, these platforms were just showing up, right? And back then they were new. The whole concept of being able to store files in one place, everywhere on all your devices was a very new thing, right? So Mm -hmm. super exciting. But over time, Things have developed so much that everything's become so digitized that there, there's been a lot of industries and applications that have become very specific. They People have built very specific products for certain things. So Dropbox is great if you want to throw a Word file or an MP3 or a couple photos in and just make sure it's everywhere. Yeah. But if you work with music, you work mostly with audio files. And audio files have unique properties, so they have metadata, like information that lives in the file, like the artist name and the track name. And there's different versions like lossless and lossy, like so audio quality. And then there's a lot of things about security, right? So the whole point with Beta was it's like, well, you can use these platforms that are built for generic files, any type of files. Or I think because everybody does things digitally now, no one sends CDs anymore. It's worthwhile building a platform that's built specifically for music, for audio files. So that means that you can take advantage of audio files, unique properties, and offer features and functions that make it easier for people who work with audio files to do the job. So, so, you know, Excel. That's great. If you work with Excel files, Beat is not going to be for you. You're going to use Dropbox. But if you work with audio files, you're definitely looking for something that does what you need it to do. And that's what Beat does.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that how you led into that answering that. I mean, everything nowadays is getting that much more niche, niche down and targeted, you know, specific purposes. And Yeah, I can certainly see like how that would fit in. And like from your experiences, again, when you were, I guess, you know, you had your own boutique, what was it? Record company or record radio radio promotion, promotion. radio promotion. Yeah, So it's like
1: doing press, like it's like doing PR, but for radio and for TV.
0: Okay. So yeah, I'd imagine at that point, you're seeing some of these pain points within the industry and some of the failings of what, you know, is currently available then. And then as you progress out of that kept an eye open or kind of looking back at that and like, Ooh, there could be a better way here. Is that kind of how this idea began to formulate? Or that, that's,
1: was, exa- right? that's exactly it. And like, I I just thought of something like the key to remember here is that th- this process is part of what people use. I think it might be still be called like unbundling. I think it is that you have one product and then the market opens up where lots of people use that product and then it breaks into different, you know, types of products that are more specified. The, 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 it's the digitization of the world, basically, and so the, we're, there's nothing special about what we do. It's just around music. So, but you are you are right that the key point is if you work in music, you listen to music, and if you're receiving a lot of music, and you it's it's difficult to listen. You can't remember where the link is or the file. You don't know who the artist is, all that kind of stuff. It wastes a lot of time, and who does that hurt? It hurts the artist. And so our thing has always been like, look, when you're starting out, you're reaching out to record labels, to managers, you're trying to get gigs. You need to make it easy for these people to listen because you're looking for their help and support at the start. And so that's the real fundamental issue, the thing that everybody can take away from this, even if they don't work in music. It's like people in the music business listen to music all the time. They send music and they receive music. And if you can't listen to what you're being Mm -hmm. sent or received,
0: game over. There's no point. Yeah. If you can't hear
1: the music, what's the point? Right.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. I've got this other question lined up here. And in terms of the music industry as a whole, I mean, the transformation's been like part of it from the beginning, right? I mean, just in terms of the mediums of like how music has been consumed, whether you know we're talking re- records, eight-track, you know, mp3s, like all the way through to where we're at right now. And I'd love to know like how the industry reacts when further, sort of like tech proposals are being put forth you know like how how does the industry respond is it kind of like we're like oh no we're just kind of getting used to things right now we don't want to like shift it all around again or is this sort of like now become part of what this industry represents is like yeah we're constantly evolving we're constantly making things better and what how 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 is the industry react to to the advancements in technology or better ways of doing things Uh, uh,
1: like that that is an interesting question and it, it and it it gives me an opportunity to explain like the music industry, which I don't like, is a term because it implies that super, certain people are in the music industry and other people are on the outside, and I don't okay. like that binary thing. So mm-hmm. I call it the music ecosystem, okay. and you know, um, but but it, you know, people still say music industry. But but I, these music ecosystem. What's interesting about it is it's quite decentralized in the sense that yeah. you have lots of different. For a record to be a success, lots of different things need to happen. Lots of people need to work together, like managers and artists and record labels. And so when you talk about, say, how how would the industry react, like it mm. depends which part of the industry, right? And so mm. there are like any business any business or, or industry like it could be yeah. the you know the pulp and paper industry like whatever or the alarm bell business or whatever <laughs> in, in innovation is is a threat to uh existing businesses so those larger companies they they have felt threatened by a lot of these newer businesses and then how say for example how somebody like Spotify or Apple Music, Mm -hmm. uh pays a record label and then the record label pays the artist right that's three different different groups of people and they all have a different perspective because say spotify might say hey we don't pay a lot but we pay more because more people hear it
0: the volume and then the record
1: label says blame spotify but then doesn't pay the artist enough because the artist has a shitty contract with the label so the the music business is very chaotic in that mm, way. Very that chaotic. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was very tough ten years ago. And now I think things are going better. So I think people are happier, but it's hard, it's hard to be
0: yeah, in the yeah. creative the, the, the industries. The I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was good distinction. Ecosystem industry, I like that. Yeah, you know, the reason I asked this question, I was having this really interesting discussion with somebody within the film and entertainment maybe ecosystem industry, whatever you'd yeah. like to call it. Yeah. But um, we were speaking on points of like sustainability and whatnot, and how that industry has really been adapting and adopting a lot of you know some of the, the policies moving forward and actually sort of like shifting things and like promoting some of these policies that are being like, you know, adopted by other industries themselves. And one of the reasons for this, at least what I was being told, was that, you know, it's become part of that industry to always find workarounds. You know, if they're filming a, a shot on a mountainside and, there's, you know, shitty weather, well, they, they still got to get the shot done. They got to find a way. So it's sort of like this cultural sort of like element within the, the industry itself that's like find a way, find a way. So it sort of like triggered this thought, like within the music ecosystem, I suppose, in the context of this talk, whether or not there are certain, or you know, elements of like, yes. Keep progressing, keep moving forward. But your point, you know, of of all these different players within there, it's a really fascinating. One, it's like all the the inter sort of connectedness can really, you know, be a benefit to certain companies, as you said. But then can really like close out or destroy others. So yeah, it's it's fairly nuanced, I would say. At least that's what I'm gathering.
1: It, it, yeah, and but but I think like you know, like it's all obvious to me because I've worked in it for so long. And then but then it is. Complicated, but if you take, say, the film business, yeah. like it's it costs a lot of money to make a movie, it doesn't cost a lot of money to make a record. Mm-hmm. So, the barriers to entry in the film business, like to get a move a movie in the movie theaters and get it on a Netflix or whatever, is, is very challenging. So, that creates different dynamics. Whereas in music, you can easily make music and release it on Spotify, but oh, bingo, no one knows it's there. You know, so you've got to promote it and all this kind of stuff. And I think one, one of the things like talking about progressiveness, I think like the music business has, has been historically like, you know, pretty chaotic and not in a good way. And I, I think the, the the music business has become more professionalized, which people could argue makes it a bit more boring. But at the same time, it, it has advanced. Like I was reading, uh, somebody posted something today about talking about the company they worked at uh, uh, you know acknowledged the union that started you know because there's no unions in, at record companies and stuff and so so there's been a lot of progression in, in that in that kind of way and like so it's not just technological advancements it's social advancements which I also think are good just because you mentioned uh, 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 sort of alluded to that in the in the film business that I think that is one of the positive things that that, that the tolerance for bad behavior is diminished. And I mm. applaud that for sure, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. How was uh, how was Beta received when you first launched it? Like, how, what was the reaction like? No one
1: cares. No one cares.
0: <laughs> Just like any <laughs> record that's released on Spotify,
1: you know, hundred thousand tracks a day. So you've got to uh, you've you've got to get going. And no, like people, I'm joking. Like people were interested in the idea, but then you're building it as you're trying to promote it, and then you realize that. People don't want to be sold anything. So you're attracting people through other means. Like we Mm -hmm. do a lot of stuff around education. You know, that's a big thing, like doing talks, like that monthly event I talked about. Yeah. So we're not really, we don't do any sales or anything like that because no one wants to be sold anything. Mm -hmm. So it's a slow process to, change is a very slow process. It's a very slow process.
0: Yeah. 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 Well said. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, in, in terms of the business itself, you know, maybe more on the technical side of things, I just I always find this sort of like avenue interesting to explore. I don't know if you will or not, but uh, we'll give it a go here. You know, part of the premise of your your offering is this notion of security, the security of the yeah. files themselves. And again, with technology now, it's just like this constant like back and forth cat and mouse game between, you know, like say a company or an individual who's trying to protect things. And then you have these bad actors that are trying to like bust through these walls or these barriers. Now, you yourself might not be involved on the technical elements of your business and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, being the founder, of course, you, you have an idea of what's going on. You know, what, what is it like managing that aspect? I mean, is that a major stressor for you? Constantly trying to, like, keep on top of things like security protocols or whatever it might be? Or, you know, what would you say to that?
1: Well, it's interesting. <laughs> there, Like, y- you know, there's... Known knowns and unknown unknowns or whatever that you know, what's his mm-hmm. name? Donald Runseld or whatever his quote was. Um, it, like the situation is is that you've always got to be conscious of that kind of stuff. It's like risk yeah. management. Yeah. But I but I think but the, so there's an element of all the stuff you should be doing. Then there's all the stuff that is like, you know, let's just be conscious that we want to be smart about how we give our users the opportunity. protect their music and then they make the choices because i think the the way we all live today we know that there were everything's at risk it's the internet right and so you really just want to do your best to be conscious of all the risks and that's something we try to educate artists about because artists are worried about you know sending their music to people and then they send it to someone else like there there are bad actors i agree but then there's also there's the sort of the the dumb leaks like somebody sent a link to someone and they sent it to someone else and then somebody said oh yeah sure use that on the youtube right right, right right and then it's like i haven't even released it yet you know so so, so there's a do you see what i mean like there's these yeah, yeah, no knows, totally right. like we could be hacked at all times and, and that's scary stuff and yeah that's just something everybody needs to work on and try to be as conscious as possible about you, you know keeping up to date with everything. Right. But then there's also the encouragement about being smart and, you, you know, being aware that security is something that's important. And what does that mean to add, when you ask that question yourself?
0: Yeah. It means yeah, yeah, no, being
1: really point. conscious of it.
0: I think mm, mm, kind of minimizing those, that, that other side of the security risks as well. Yeah. Certainly an important one too. Yeah. And really consider that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the day and age we're, we're living in, you know, for sure, for sure. So.
1: You know, like artists, when they talk about it, it's like this existential threat. They don't really know they're worried about we've done we we uh, released the first ever white paper research paper on music sharing about a year ago. And like, I did some of the the follow- up interviews. and people were like, "I'm worried about security. I'm like, well, what exactly are you worried about?" They're like, well, I don't really know. like, you know, and and I think everybody suffers from that now. And it's so what we try to do is just sort of quantify that. Like, okay, everybody's worried. What are they worried about? And
0: yeah. then
1: you try to give people best practices and all that kind of stuff. And then you try to implement best practices within the company.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really interesting take on, on how to sort of tackle that. Yeah, really quite compelling. Well, I do have one last question in this segment, actually. And this is kind of returning to you and what, and what you've been doing. You know, again, kind of happy we started off this talk. You know, your career has kind of been embedded within the music ecosystem but all the same I mean there's been a whole diff whole bunch of different sort of like you know pathways that you've been on and and, and everything like, a lot of rewarding experiences a lot of challenging times I'm sure as well looking back at it all you know what, what does it come to to mean to you you know at this point in your your stage of your career and where you're at what does it mean to me huh yeah.
1: like I I'm j- I'm just I'm just glad I got a chance to be involved. I think the, the process is way more important than the destination. Getting, getting to be involved and work with people and try to find a solution to problems is a very exciting thing. Like that's the best part of, of, of working with any creative endeavor. And like, like that's what I did in music. I helped artists become successful. I wasn't the focal point. I was a supportive person along that journey. And that's very rewarding to see people's art that you believe in be accepted, like slowly under time, be accepted by a broader audience. And then what what, what we do with our company, like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the founder or whatever, but I, I spend my time hopefully trying to encourage other people and support other people to get the results that they're looking for. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and that's, so I spend my time trying to help other people really. So yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Like when it works, you know what I mean? But it's hard. It's very, is it the music business, unbelievably hard tech business, unbelievably hard, but I I guess I like hard stuff. Well, there's
0: i think there's a certain degree of you know reward when you kind of like get through those moments what you know the more challenging it is, right? I mean, it sort of makes sense in that in that way. But uh one other quick question I just sort of like popped in my head right now. Like you'd mentioned like being surrounded by creatives, you know, obviously within that industry for quite quite a bit of time there. But then having this business that's evolved into like this tech tech side of things like almost like two completely different worlds. Like what what has that been like, you know, like Still obviously having the artistry side of things, you know, and engage with people within that side of, of, you know, the industry, but then also now being within the tech world too. Like, how is that?
1: What's interesting is it's like to make something successful in music, again, like you have a team, like there's the band who create music or an artist, and then you have all these people that help them bring that into the world. And, So you work as a team and it's like a little bubble and Mm. you you know, you maybe work on a, a series of those at any one time, but when it's really starting to roll like a band going from absolutely no, nobody knows who they are to selling millions of records. Yeah. It's a very intense thing and it's very hard to pinpoint exactly why it went so well. Cause there's lots of good music that doesn't get the attention it deserves. So like working in a startup, it's like, It's like a group of people working on something together, Mm -hmm. and I think that is very neat. So that in that sense, there's a definite there's a definite parallel, because you can build something and then people don't come and use it, and you don't like what's fascinating about it. It's very hard to pinpoint why things suddenly work. Yeah, you a lot of people say they really know, and that's crap you know, especially in music, they'd repeat it again and again and again if they could, and they can't. So that means that there's an element of time and, you know, vibes that create something. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that'd be right. the
1: parallel I would draw between the two.
0: Well, we are shifting in towards the uh, the middle segment here. Something called a water cooler story segment. And here I just asked, you know, guests to indulge listeners with the story related to their work, profession, business, whatever it might be. And uh, I'd love to hear what you have for us today here, Mark.
1: Well, I, w- I was thinking about it, and I was thinking like, since this is sort of about you know jobs and stuff, I think like <laughs> like basically I I've I've been let go from every job I've had in music, like you know made redundant. I don't think I was I wasn't I don't think I was fired from any jobs, but like all the proper employment job like proper I was an employee jobs. Yeah, I was let go, so I I was sort of thinking that like. You know, that's probably why I ended up doing what I'm doing now is that, you know, there's no security and, but, but that those are the the best things that happened to me. And I, so that's what I was saying because it's just, it's ridiculous really that, you know, my first job in Halifax, they sort of ran out of money, then creation closed down because they sold the rest of the company and then pop tones, which was the next label I went to work at you know, they ran out of money as well. And it's like, Oh my God, like, you know, this is brutal. So, so for, for anybody listening, I think that's what I would, I would talk about. Like it's challenging, but you know, the, the, it's sort of, if if you hustle and you keep listening, Mm -hmm. it's, it sort of works out. But that, that was the first thing that popped into my mind because that's a good, it's a good overview of it definitely of my career, but also, Reinforces the fact that it doesn't go in a straight line, like yeah, yeah. it comes
0: right back to that point of just like kind of like being open, open to possibilities, right, and keeping yeah, you know, keeping those possibilities open, and then also like considering things along the way, like how you could fit in, or maybe I could do this, or maybe this could work, or maybe I just shifted things around this way, I could present this new service or you know product here, you know what I mean? Like it's just keeping that open mind, recognizing where you're at. No, I like that. I like that.
1: Exactly. And I think like y- you either keep an open mind or you'll be forced to have an open mind.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 You well know. said. It'll.
1: You know, well, it's going to happen either way. It's going to happen either way. Yeah.
0: All righty. Well, we are shifting into the very last segment here, something called a crystal ball segment. As the name implies, we're usually looking towards trends, predictions, so on and so forth pertaining to the future. Now, I've kind of alluded to this point already in the talk about the the music ecosystem being built on this notion of change like moving forward constantly and it's just been part of it. but then also too, like it, it is acknowledged. I mean there are some purists in there like you'd mentioned this as well you I know mean, companies that don't want to see change like financially it's, it doesn't make sense for them to have too much change. and then just like on the artistry side, like people just resist sort of like the, the whole digitalization of it all. Then on the other hand, you have this younger generations coming through, like millennials. They, they they know nothing different than digital transformation. It's just constantly happening. So I'd be curious to know about like what you foresee coming down the line in terms of the music industry, in regards to this notion of change, and especially within like tech and digital notions of it. How do you see things going?
1: So, if you, I'll start by talking the way it was in the 90s. In the 90s, before the internet, it was very hard to get your record released. You could press a record, but you had to get it into the stores. Mm. Like you actually had to find someone to put your record in the store, right? So, there were barriers to entry. Yeah. And that meant that it was hard to be successful because it was impossible to get going. But now, you can, anybody can get going. And that decentralization, is a very good thing because it 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 means and that goes back to what I'm saying about the um, the music industry and the idea of gatekeepers that anybody can release music and that's very important to me especially like no one should be preventing anyone from doing that but the flip side is 100,000 tracks being uploaded to Spotify every day it's very hard to get noticed because there's a lot more competition no barriers to entry so that's classic sort of business bullshit but I, but I think like, it. it's just the, the future. It feels like it's going to be even more chaotic in a, in a way and, and decentralized just because there's so much music. It can't continue this hundred thousand tracks a day. Like it, it, they do get stored somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's just like specifically within music, there's a lot of work to be done around making it simpler the business of music needs to be simpler because there's the actual audio recording who owns the song who owns the publishing it's it's pretty chaotic and that's that kind of stuff's getting worked out so from a tech point of view i see a lot of change for the better coming hmm. and you know making it easier for people to to release music and then get paid for that is is a good thing and that's what's been going on the last 10 years so i'm hoping that there's just going to be more of that really um yeah. and that's what you hope digital innovation brings no yeah. one needs a i don't know digital pony is the first thing that, or maybe pardon me lots of people need digital ponies but the music business doesn't need any digital ponies they need more transparency about payments and agreements and all that kind of stuff yeah. and that's getting worked on And that's the kind of innovation that the music business needs. And I think that's the kind it's getting. So digital ponies, very important. But in the music business, rights, transparency, all those things, that's been improving the last decade. And I hope it continues.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. It kind of harkens back to a conversation I had a couple of months ago with Laura Simpson of side door. If you're familiar yeah, with that company. Yeah. I know. Of course. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's Yeah. 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 And it's another nice example of how sort of like technology and evolution is coming along and it can sort of advance, you know, the, the industry in a different way, you know, and in, in this particular offering the artists themselves, you know, especially like ones that are starting out using this platform, you know, you can basically book a band, you know, usually a smaller one, probably, anywhere at your own home, you know, at a venue that you so choose to, to hold, you know, something and, and that the payment sort of system always, you know, the payment system itself is quite simple and straightforward. And it kind of speaks at the point of just streamlining, you know, streamlining and making things better as a whole. And it just, I just, I like that notion. I like that idea of how tech can sort of like come into this space and still preserve a lot of the elements that are there and just make it better, you know? There's going to be some challenges along the way, but I like these sort of offerings like beta as well. You know, same same. No,
1: I no, I I agree in like the idea of house shows, like playing gigs in in homes or whatever is nothing new, but making it easy for people to do that and making it accessible to other people is what Side Door do, and so that's that's the innovation and that's the technicals, that's tech being applied in the right way.
0: Yeah, and I yeah. think
1: like that's a that's a very good thing. It's making it's bringing more access and transparency. It's exactly what I'm talking about. So it, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about.
0: Definitely. Well, maybe on that note, you know, on these good vibes, maybe we can close things out. But I must say, Mark, it's been a true pleasure. I really enjoyed this. I can't believe we've already blasted through this conversation. I feel like we just got started. But uh, yeah, thanks for your time today.
1: Really, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Loved it.
0: Yeah. Well, for those interested in learning more about Mark and his work, of course, you can check him out at beta, B-Y-T-A dot com. You can also find him on LinkedIn. And for reference, all of this information will be included in the show notes. You can also rate, review and subscribe wherever you access your podcasts. And yeah, sharing. Yeah, sharing is caring, right? If you can get that stuff out there. I think it's all the better. Uh, One more thing, within the last year, I did launch a channel over on YouTube, and you can go check out video conversations. And the cool thing there is we will have some imagery associated with the talk, so you can kind of take it in in a different manner. And of course, please don't forget to tune into the next episode of Life as a, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.